Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, uh, find uh, the book of 2 Samuel again as we are continuing through this wonderful book. And uh, just as always want to encourage you uh, to bring the Word of God with you. I believe that uh, the Word of God is powerful and is living and you will do well to have it with you uh, to know how to use it and how to enjoy it. And I wasn't here last week, but uh, uh, we've been looking at when the follower of God falls. And I had someone come to me and say, Jake, I don't like the title to your sermon. I said, well, don't feel bad. Most people don't like the sermons either. The title is the least of our worry. But um, they said, Jake, it makes this idea that we're all going to sin. And I said, well, I hate to break this to you, but uh, this book that I read says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the response was, well, Jake, I've been saved long enough now that I just don't struggle with sin like other people. And so you know me, I'm an idiot. It's just the way it is. I said, well, my Bible says that if you say you have no sin, the truth of God is not in you. And so I would say, not only do you not struggle with sin, you need to be saved. And so as you can tell, uh, that went over well. Uh, we don't have a baptism this morning, so that didn't happen. But uh, uh, but this morning, you and I have a choice. We can uh, we can get in that mindset where I don't struggle with sin. I have arrived as a believer, and I do believe the longer that you're saved, we ought to sin less. We ought to be growing in the sanctification process. We ought to be more and more like Jesus until we get to glory. But Friends, I want you to know this, that when we begin to think that sin doesn't matter or that sin is not something that we struggle with, we begin to lie to ourselves. And what we begin to lie to ourselves about is what the generation that follows us begins to embrace. And this morning I hope that you will hear as we're talking about David and David's sin and David's struggle that it's not hopeless I uh, just want to throw this in. It's not going to be on the screen, but in my private Bible study time, I, as I was sitting in the lobby yesterday, uh, just reading, I was reading through First Kings, and uh, everybody has heard of Jezebel and her husband Ahab, uh, two of the most wicked people in the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible says that uh, in First Kings chapter, uh, I think it's twenty or twenty-one, that he was more wicked than anybody before him. And it says because of him and Jezebel, they were a tag team of wickedness. And God looks at him and says, I am going to judge you. I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. I'm going to wipe your descendants off the face of the earth. There will be no one of your family left because of your wickedness. And something remarkable happens. Ahab repents. He sits in sackcloth and ashes and begs God for mercy. Guess what God does? He shows him mercy. And this morning I want you to hear the heart behind that because this morning you might be sitting here thinking, Jake, I I am so broken, I am so messed up. If I admit that I'm a sinner, what am I supposed to do with that? Look up here. God will forgive. And so that's what I hope that you will hear from this whole sermon series. But in Psalms 51 verse 12, we've looked at this verse every week, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me 
by your generous spirit. If you don't have any joy, and trust me, I'm a person that can not have very much joy, rejoice, rejoice, have it restored. Second Samuel chapter 12, David said, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. And so if you want forgiveness and you want joy, if you want a life that looks different than everyone else on the planet, you can have it through Jesus Christ. But this morning, how do we get into the trouble that we find ourselves? How do you and I, and I find myself doing this a lot when I lay my head on the pillow thinking, Jake, I wish you hadn't said that. Jake, I wish you hadn't thought that. Jake, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. And conviction begins to set in. That is one of my least favorite times and favorite times of the day is when I begin to lay down and get ready to go to bed and I start praying, Lord, forgive me for the things of the day. And I begin to start trying to think, where did I sin? Where did I struggle? What did I do? Some days it's easy to know the sins that I have struggled with. Others days, it's not as easy. But I lay there thinking, oh, what is wrong with you, Jake? Closed mouth gathers no... Come on. None of you know it? Closed mouth gathers no... Foot! None of you has that problem? Man! Pride cometh before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. But we've seen in David's life, we saw how David took some downtime and that downtime led to sinful desire. That sinful desire led to defilement and defilement led to deception and finally death. And this cycle is the same for all of us. If you would stand with me for just a moment, I want to read two verses from the book of James and then we will go verse by verse through our text this morning. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 14, But each one, or everyone, or all of us, is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Pray with me this morning. Father, I thank You for who You are. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I come this morning just praying, God, that Your Spirit would be at work in this place. Father, I can do nothing. Only You can change hearts. God, only You can convict of sin. Father, only You can save. Only You can encourage. And so, Lord, I just come asking for Your presence, Your power. Lord, that You would be working in hearts and minds and lives this morning for Your glory. Lord help, Lord, help me just to make much of Jesus and what He can do in our lives. And I ask it all in His precious name. Amen. And so when you think about that, our desires begin to lead us astray. They begin to give birth to sin. And when sin finally is full grown, it brings forth death. 
Now think about David. David is not where he should have been. He is resting. He is taking a time away from the battlefield. He goes out onto the uh, roof of his home, looks down, sees Bathsheba. Uh, she's bathing. That, that desire for her uh, leads him to bring her to the palace. They do what only married couples are supposed to do. Uh, he sends her home, and then she sends to him a messenger saying, I'm pregnant. And David, as now his sin is on public display, or it will be in about eight and a half months or eight months, depending on uh, where she's at in this uh, process, he realizes this ain't going to work. And so he sends for her husband, brings him back from the battlefield, tries to get him to go in and lie with his wife so that when she starts to show, everybody can congratulate Uriah and Bathsheba. Oh, what a blessing from the Lord. God has been good to you. Uh, Uriah was such a man of great integrity and such a love for God and the things of God and the king that he wouldn't go into his own house. And so David, in a moment of even more panic, gets him drunk gets him intoxicated so that hopefully when the liquor sets in and the morals begin to to waver and the uh, inhibition is all messed up, that then he'll go in. But even in a drunken state, he would not go in and sleep with his wife. And so David is now here in a position of, what do I do? I can't hide my sin. I can't cover my sin. This is going to happen. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. And I want you to hear this this morning. David could have confessed at this moment to Uriah. I need your forgiveness. I need God's forgiveness. I want a restoring of my soul. I want God to forgive me, to work in my heart and life. In this moment, God would have forgiven him. And this morning, you have that choice and so do I. Whatever you're struggling with this morning, that God will forgive you. God can stop the bleeding if you're wounded. And look what it says here starting in verse 14. And if you're taking notes, we see here in verse 14 a plan to cover one's sin. A plan to cover our sin no matter the cost. You see, David was willing to cover his sin no matter what it cost. And so look here in verse 14 and 15. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. David writes this letter to his military commander and says, I want you to put Uriah at the forefront of battle. And when the battle gets the heaviest and he is in the middle of fighting, when he is in the middle of warfare, when he is focused on defeating our enemies and bringing glory to the kingdom, pull everybody back. Pull everybody back and leave him. Now I want you to think about this. David has not only been deceptive, not only has he been defiling, now he is wanting to cause the death of another human being just so his sin won't get out. Friends, you say, Jake, I would never do something like that. We all will. We will all do whatever it takes to cover our sin. We'll lie, we'll cheat, we'll, we'll hide it, we'll, we'll explain it away. But friends, this did not have to come to this. 
Because what did I just explain about Ahab? Ahab was wicked. He had, he had had a wife that had just had a man murdered for his vineyard. He, they had murdered prophets. They had done, but yet God was willing to show mercy when mercy was wanted. David had been taken care of by God his whole life and should have known that God would have took care of him again if he would have just asked. And so this morning I want you to see this, that not only did David plan this, David sent the letter with the instructions that would murder Uriah by Uriah's own hand. You ever wonder why he didn't give him this message and tell him to tell it to Joab? You say, well, you couldn't tell him, hey, go tell Joab that I want you to die. Couldn't tell him that. I mean, Uriah, I don't know his intelligence, but even he probably would have said, that don't sound right. And friends, that's why the Bible says that wickedness is always performed in the secret places. By whispers, by backbiting, by tattling. Look up here. If someone won't sit across from you and tell you their grievances, they're living in sin. And so today, if you've got a problem with someone, if you've got an unforgiveness with someone, if you've been hurt by someone, look up here. The moment that you go sharing it with other people, you are just like David. You're trying to cover your wickedness. You're trying to cover your unforgiveness. You're trying to cover your deceit. And God will not honor it. It happens in church. It happens at work. It happens in families. And friends, this morning, it will always lead to death. That's why the Bible says that at some point God will bring all things to truth. All things to life. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that if you and I have a problem, that we are to go to each other one-to-one. And if we cannot solve that problem one-to-one, we're to go with two or three witnesses. If we still can't solve that problem after one-on-one or two or three, then we're to bring it before the whole congregation so that we can resolve our issues, so that we can reconcile and live together in unity and in harmony and in love. You say, Jake, I've been in church a long time and I've never seen that. I want you to look up here. That's why churches are dying. That's why people are not being saved. It's why families are being torn apart. It's why our country is splitting at the seams. It is because we refuse to just be open and honest and trust that God can work out all the issues. You say, well, Jake, you don't know the family that I'm a part of and the issues that we have. No, you're right, I don't. But I know that God does. And God can reconcile and God can heal and God can restore. And so trust Him. Second thing I want to show you from this text this morning is this. Sin will always affect more people than just ourselves. Sin will always affect more people than just ourselves. Look what it says here in verse 16 and 17. So it was. That means that Joab did this. While Joab besieged the city, that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew that there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, And some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. 
I want you to see this. Joab couldn't just say, hey, Uriah, I want you to attack the wall all by yourself. Just run up there as close as you can and see what you can do. You say, well, of course not. You see, David's sin didn't just get Uriah killed. Did you notice that? That some of the people of the servants of David fell. I don't want you to miss the significance of this. It doesn't say the men of Israel. It doesn't say the soldiers of Israel. It specifically says the servants of David. And why do you think it says that? Because it wants you to see the significance that David sent the people that he was supposed to care for, the people who had served him, who had loved him, who had followed him. He sent them to his death, their death, on purpose. You see, he didn't just want Uriah killed. That's the only person he had a problem with. But friends, sin never stays where you want it to. You see, the Bible is full of examples of how a parent's sin affects their children. Friends, your half-hearted commitment to Christ can damage your children. The Bible is full of it in the Old Testament about this king was wicked and his son was wicked like his father and he was wicked like his grandfather. And I just told you about how Ahab, how God pronounced judgment on him and his children and his grandchildren because of his wickedness. You see this morning, maybe how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband warps your children's view about what they should expect from marriage. You see, this morning, sin never stays where we want it to. You say, well, Jake, I like my unforgiveness. I deserve to be unforgiving to the person they've hurt me. I'm going to hold on to that. I'll forgive everybody else except for them. Now, I know you've never said that, but I have. In my prayer time, I have literally told the Lord, Lord, I will forgive everybody, but I'm not forgiving them. Just not doing it. You know what they've said, you know what they've done, you know how they've been. I'm just not going to do it. And you know what always happens? Then I begin to say, well, you know what, Lord? They weren't alone in that. So I'm not going to forgive their brother either. And you know what? Their wives were probably the real reason they did that, so I'm not going to forgive them either. And then it begins to spread. And before you know it, you won't forgive a whole family. And then you won't forgive a whole neighborhood. Then you will end up not forgiving a whole community. This morning I say this to you because it doesn't have to be that way. Damage doesn't have to spread. Other people don't have to be collateral damage if you'll just trust the Lord. Third and final thing this morning. Sin will make us hard-hearted to the consequences of sin. Sin will make us hard-hearted to the consequences of sin. Have you ever saw a person go down this road? Maybe this morning it's you. I've been down this road where something bothered me, something festered, and then it dealt with me so long that it didn't bother me anymore. My sin didn't bother me. I've made excuses. I blamed it away. But look here in verse 18. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens 
that the king's wrath rises. And he says to you, why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerbasheth? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of a millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Tebez? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. You see, Joab says, I need to send a report back to King David. But he also recognizes that the military strategy that he used was terrible. You wouldn't do this. And he, there's an Old Testament example. And he's, he, he knows that from a military standpoint, why would you send men up to the edge of a wall when all they have to do is shoot down at you? To come down on you? It makes no sense militarily. It makes no sense with people. It makes no practical sense. It doesn't make any sense. But yet, friends, look up here. When sin takes over your decision making, when sin begins to lead your life, the things you do will make no sense. The way you treat people, the way you talk about people, the way you live your life, friends, it will change everything about you. And I want you to see this, that Joab didn't care. Joab just didn't want to get in trouble. Joab had sent his men to die knowing that they would die for no purpose, for no military advantage, for nothing other than it's what David wanted. Friends, how cold-hearted is that? And I'm afraid, this is just my opinion, you can take it, you can leave it, you can ignore it, that many of us have grown very hard-hearted to the problems of the world. We've grown very hard-hearted to the sin in our life. Things that used to bother us, things that used to be deep convictions are no longer there. Oh, it used to bother us not to be in church. It used to bother us not to be worshiping God. It used to, man, I, I needed it. Now, meh. I'd rather stay home and listen to a better preacher. I get it. I got to sit home, sit at sit in the hospital last week and listen to a guy do a great job. I want to thank Brian for being able to do that last week. It used to be maybe if you didn't read your Bible every day, man, you just needed it. You got up in the morning, you were ready for it. You were going to study, you were going to pray, you were ready. And now, you know, I get a verse a day on my Bible app that pops up in the most inconvenient of times and I read it. Maybe used to be you cared about the people you work with. Man, you wanted to talk about Jesus and you wanted to invite them to church and, and you were going to pray for them. Man, you've worked with them people so long now, it's like, ugh. They don't listen. We begin to get hard-hearted. And that hard-heartedness, friends, is exactly what we see here. But friends, it doesn't have to be that way. You see, the reason we get hard-hearted is because we've been hurt. One, we've hurt ourselves. Someone else has hurt us. And so we begin to put walls up, but it just doesn't matter. You see, Joab had spent his whole life being in the military. But Joab had also spent some time in his life being a murderer. And so I can just imagine Joab thinking, you know what, David got after me for murdering somebody. 
and now He wants me to murder someone for Him? Oh yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned. And sometimes I think that's how we are as Christians. We like to see other people fall so we don't feel so bad about ourselves. We, we, we think, oh, I knew that was coming. Seen the writing on the wall for years. Friends, I want you to hear this this morning, and I mean this with every bit of feeling and truth that I can. If you rejoice in a believer falling in sin, you've got a real heart problem. If you celebrate a church struggling, you've got a heart problem. It should break our hearts when the people that we love struggle with sin. It should break our hearts when the nation that God has given us to be a part of has abandoned Him. It should break our hearts to watch how sin is destroying everything. But I think sometimes we think, whew, I just don't feel so bad about myself. I don't feel so bad about my failures. But friends, this morning, we can see forgiveness. We can see healing. Isaiah 55, verse 7. It's a verse I try to pray for myself every day. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. You know, He could have just said pardon there. Right? A pardon's a pardon. Right? You see it in presidents as they leave office. They pardon all these people they probably shouldn't, but because of someone's connections or someone's this or someone's that, they just pardon, pardon, pardon. But He says abundantly pardon. And I think that this is important because in our mind, most of us think, how could God forgive that person? Or how could God forgive me? I've failed so many times. I've sinned so many times. I've struggled in the same way. I've made so many dumb decisions. I mean, how could God continue to love and to love and to love and to forgive and to extend mercy and grace? How is that possible? Because it's who God is. And friends, it doesn't matter what Satan has convinced you of. When Jesus died for your sins, He died for all of them. The ones that you have committed and you will commit. The Bible says that He knew you before you were ever born. He knew every sin that you would ever commit. And yet He willingly died upon the cross for you and I. You say, Jake, I love that. I, I, I believe that. Well, friends, you need to start believing that He died for lost people too. He died for that person that you work with that you cannot stand. That person that you have in your family that has caused division and strife and that you wouldn't pour water on if they were on fire. Friends, you have to believe that God will show mercy when people call upon Him. As a church, we have to believe that God has a love for sinners. That God is willing to pardon abundantly. And as a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a grandparent, this morning the great hope I can give you is this. The Word of God says that 
wherever you're at on this journey. Whether you're serving Him faithfully, you're beginning to make statements like, well, you know, I've just served God so long, I think I need a break. Or maybe you're saying, well, you know what, Jake, I, I, my, I've taken some time off and I've been pursuing things that weren't of God. Or maybe you find yourself at the bottom of a pit today. You've ran as far and as hard from God as you could ever run. Just return. Just turn to Him and watch what He can do. See, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that Jesus Christ loved us so much that He went to the cross willingly. That He died upon that cross willingly. That He died, was buried, and rose again that we might have eternal life. And friends, as I have just really been praying all night about what God did for Ahab, I just can't believe it. I mean, I read about Jezebel and Ahab and what they had done, and I thought, God, if there were ever two people, and He did judge them eventually, but He showed mercy. He gave me great hope that on days where I think, man, Jake, you have really failed God, that I can have mercy. And so today, whether you think you're not a sinner or you're too big of a sinner for God to reach, know that you need Him. Pray with me. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I just uh, lift up again this congregation to You. God, You know the hearts, the minds, the struggles, the failures, the fears. And God, I just pray right now that Your Holy Spirit Lord, that He would be doing things in this place. God, that He would be working in hearts. That He would be softening cold, dead hearts. God, that He would be encouraging hearts that have just given up. Lord, that He would be convicting each and every one of us of our need to return. And God, I just pray this morning, Lord, that for that person that has believed the lies of Satan, that they're too guilty, that they're too broken, that they're too far gone, that God, today you can show them mercy and that you want to and that you're willing to. Father, I pray today for the families represented here and the children and the grandchildren. God, that you would make us the believers that you want us to be, that we would put our families, our futures on a path that honors you in obedience. And God, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.